0: If you make all those small things just a little easier, just a little faster, just a little better, increasing the odds of success with each one just a little bit, again, you get that great compounding effect and you get a lot more success.
1: Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and leadership with teens and their parents. I'm Jenna. And I'm Rachel. It's been a crazy couple of weeks for you, Jenna, hasn't it? Yes, it really has been. (laughs) It's been lonely around here. All the little birdies are spending more and more time out of the nest. So tell me, have you learned anything about yourself as you're becoming more and more independent? I've learned I can never live on my own. (laughs) (laughs) And why is that? Because it is very lonely and you don't have anyone to talk to. (laughs) I think it's just because you're used to having so many brothers and sisters. I bet you could get used to it. Mm All righty. So today, I think you are going to enjoy today's podcast. We're going to be talking with Mark Hirschberg, And let me tell you a little bit about him. From tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems, Marcus spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s and in academia. He helped to start the undergraduate practice opportunities program dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually. At MIT, he received a BS in physics, a BS in electrical engineering and computer science and a master's in engineering and electrical engineering and computer science, focusing on cryptography. At Harvard Business School, Mark helped create a platform used to teach finance at prominent business schools. He also works with many nonprofits, including Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. He was one of the top ranked ballroom dancers in the country and now lives in New York City, where he is known for his social gatherings, including his annual Halloween party, as well as his diverse cufflink collection. Mark is also the author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You, which we are going to be talking with him about today. Welcome to the podcast, Mark.
0: Thanks for having me, it's my pleasure to be here.
1: So you have a lot of degrees, and out of all the things that you've done, what would you say was the thing you most enjoyed?
0: It's hard to pick just one. But some of the outstanding things, I think studying physics, if we're just looking at degrees, was fantastic. I'm not a physicist, but the way it taught me to think was incredibly useful. I'd also say my days as a competitive ballroom dancer because that was a lot of fun. I met great people and good exercise. So fun and educational in a different way. And I could probably come up with things for half a dozen other things I've done.
1: Yeah, you you have a very interesting life. <laughs> um, would you say that it was your childhood that led you to be like such a lover of learning?
0: Without a doubt. I was very fortunate to be born to two incredible parents who very much stressed learning and education and not just the importance, but the value of it. And that put me on a path where I realized it's about lifelong learning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm always telling my kids, you, you know, if you can learn to love learning and be a learner, you can do pretty much anything.
0: Absolutely. Learning is like a Swiss army knife because it can help you with any problem.
1: So we want to talk a, a lot about your book today. So from your experience, you've had lots of experience teaching people and in the um, out in the field and companies and in academics. So from your experience, who will go farther in their career? Someone who focuses on getting better at the job or someone who focuses at getting better at firm skills?
0: Firm skills are generally going to get you a better return on your time. So let's consider the following scenario. We're going to do a little bit of math here. And if you're having trouble with it, you can ask your teenager for help. (laughs) So let's just pretend we have a simple math problem that we all used to do in middle school. You've got a rectangle that is 4 by 10, right? and you need to increase one of the sides by 2 units to maximize the area. So the question is, which side do you lengthen, the 4 or the 10? And feel free to pause the podcast if you need a moment to think. But now that you're back, the answer, of course, is we go from 4 to 6, 6 times 10, 60 units. Okay, great. What does this have to do with anything we've just been talking about? Well, conceptually, when you're putting the two units on the short side, you are amplifying them by that long side. You're taking that two and multiplying it by the 10, and you're taking that 10 and you're multiplying it by the two. All of us have long sides and short sides, typically more than two, but we're just using two for the example. So imagine someone, I'll take myself as an example, early on when I started out as a software engineer, It's a great engineer, really technical. I could come up with answers to really complex problems, but I wasn't good at communicating them. I'd use lots of technical jargon. And if you weren't an engineer, if I'm trying to explain this to the finance team or the marketing team, I'd lose them. And I won't look very effective. Or if you can't present well, I don't mean you're up there on stage in front of a thousand people, just doing a talk at your company. If your emails are long and rambly, It doesn't matter how brilliant you are people are going to want to turn you out so by taking that short side that four and getting a little bit better and again not saying you're ready to stand on that ted stage and have a million views but just getting a little more concise or learning to speak in non-technical language or just communicate better suddenly you're taking that great long side of yours and you are amplifying it you're making it more effective and increasing your overall area now, we all do need to keep working our long sides. For me in technology, technology is always changing. If I'm not paying attention, I'll be using technologies 10, 20 years old, and no one's going to want me. But I also recognize that pound for pound, I get a better return on investment by focusing on some of those short sides. So all of us need to, yes, work on your long sides, but focus on these short sides as well.
1: Right. So, um, it's the skills that make you a better person all around, not just at work.
0: Very true. They're going to help us in our relationships, in our personal life, in our hobbies, and the things we do outside of work as well.
1: Right. So you're, so the return would be even greater if you if you take it past just your work life to your whole life, because your skills at work... A lot of them won't translate to your home, but your your hard skills, you can use those anywhere you go. No matter if you're an employee, a business owner, whatever you do.
0: A classic example is people often say, well, negotiating, how often am I gonna negotiate? Turns out we negotiate all the time, not just when we take a job and we negotiate salary. We negotiate all the time, for example, with our coworkers and you and I have to do a project and neither of us wants to do the boring part. So how do we work out? Okay, you do it this time, I'll do it next time. Or, well, I can do this piece of it if you'll do that piece, and, but that means you're gonna work later for it, but we do some type of trade-off. And in fact, we negotiate all the time with our families. And whenever I get people saying, well, you know, I don't know how to negotiate, it's just not natural for me, I point out, ask your parents. Ask them if you've ever negotiated because every one of us at age three negotiated when we're going to sleep. We negotiated how many pieces of broccoli we had to eat before we got dessert. We naturally did at kids. And so learning to negotiate is going to help you with these family dynamics as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Where do most people learn career skills?
0: Unfortunately, they don't. And that is the problem. We just talked about negotiation something very important in your career but it's not in your high school curriculum it's not in your college curriculum it's not something your parents are likely to teach you the other skills leadership managerial skills networking communication skills like team building skills like creating a career path These are not things we ever teach people. And that's why I wrote the book, because there's a huge shortage. There's a huge skill gap here. So we need to be intentional, and we have to take responsibility because no one's going to take the initiative to teach us.
1: Do you think it's always been that way? Did people used to learn these skills in school or at home, and we've kind of just lost that?
0: Unfortunately, we've never really taught it. If you think back to the history of education, the high school and public school is really a relatively modern invention going back about 150 years. Before that, you didn't need school. You just learned from your parents. Boys learned to farm and girls learned to keep the house. And it's unfortunately very sexist back then. And that's all you needed. Once we moved into an industrialized nation, at the end of the 19th century, as people started to leave the farms and go into the factory, it was important that they all had some basic skills, the reading, writing, arithmetic. You need to be able to count the number of screws. You need to be able to read the signs saying, do not touch, very sharp. And so we upped the level of education. Now we've increased that over time, but we've never added in skills like leadership or networking. And to be fair, it wasn't as important In 1910, when you graduated high school, you got a job in a factory. That was a good job. You didn't have to really network there. You just had to know how to stand on the line for eight hours a day and get your work done, more even. And so the skills that we're talking about really only became important in the latter part of the 20th century. And our education system, unfortunately, is reactive and not proactive in terms of what it's focusing on.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. What do you mean when you say Career Success Accelerator?
0: At MIT, we recognized there was this skills gap. Companies had been saying, these are the skills we want, the ones we've been talking about. And they're not saying it just for engineering students. They're not saying it just for college students. They're saying, everyone we hire, we want these skills, but we can't find them. So at MIT, recognizing there was this universal gap we created a program to start to instill these skills in our students. And there's an official name for the course, which has to do with how we name things at MIT. But colloquially, it's referred to as the Career Success Accelerator. I think of it like Top Gun for career skills. And so that's what (laughs) the students refer to it as.
1: Yeah, it, 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 they almost need to be taught even earlier, like high school, a lot of them.
0: I do agree with you that we should start to get some of these in high school. And here's the key thing. It's not about we have to get you every skill and teach you exactly how to do everything because you'll never get it again. In the class we have at MIT, our goal is to change how you look at these skills. I think of it as we show you the door, we open the door, We help you take your first step through it, and then you're on your own. But now that you've seen the door and walked through it, you realize there's a path there. There's more to do instead of just, oh, oh, I don't know. I mean, if you think about networking, we've all heard of networking. We know it's important. And you never think, maybe I can actually get better at these skills. And once you recognize that, you say, wow, I can intentionally improve, it puts you on a path you otherwise never would have gone down.
1: Yeah, that's good. In your book, uh, you said always have a plan. Even a bad plan is better than no plan. And I think, (laughs) I think, you know, a lot of people, they just, they just graduate or get a job. And then they really, they really don't have a plan. They just, they're just kind of there. Do you think, do you think that most people just do the minimum effort in their jobs? And not necessarily because they Maybe because they just don't know how to improve or they don't know what they should be doing.
0: I think that's unfortunately the case. Now, certainly there's some people who just wanna be lazy. There are some people who are very proactive. I don't think most people are lazy, but most people, they're never really taught how to do it. And so it goes again, networking, we've all heard of it. We all know it's important. We kind of like to be good, but we don't know how to get there. And if we wanted to say, get in shape or get better at playing the violin, we know how to do that. It's some work, but we say, "Okay, I'm going to take lessons. I'm going to go to the gym. But we don't know. How do you get better at networking? Because we have such little knowledge in that. And so I think you're right that a lot of people would like to do more, but they don't even know where to start. They don't know, who do I call to start taking those violin lessons, because we've never talked about
1: it. Yeah. What would you say is the most important skill to work on?
0: There's no one important skill that this is the most important one in the book. It depends on who you are. I call it a toolkit. And that's like asking, which is the most important tool in the toolbox? Well, that depends if you're trying to take a board and cut it into two, or if you're trying to merge them together with a nail or a screw. It's really what particular tool you need to work on. I will say this, we, we gave one example before about the power of learning these skills. Here's another one. Let's take negotiating. So imagine you are 25 years old and you have a job offer for $50,000. Instead of simply saying yes, you've learned to negotiate. And so you go to your potential boss and you spend a few minutes talking back and forth, trying to negotiate for a little more. Maybe you do it by email going to take just about five minutes and you get $51,000 now we can all imagine doing that you're not asking for the moon here it's just a thousand dollars more if you do nothing else if you stay in that job the next 40 years what you just did with five minutes of negotiating is you got thousand dollars more for each of the next 40 years in five minutes you just earned yourself $40,000 And when you think of it that way, you say, oh, my God, why am I not learning to negotiate? The returns are huge. And, of course, some of you are saying, wait a second, I'm not staying in a job for 40 years. I'm going to have other jobs and raises and promotions, and it's going to be more than $1,000. And you'll negotiate other things, not just your salary. If you learn to negotiate, you can add five figures, even six figures to your lifetime earnings. Now, I use negotiation as an example because we can do that math. We can say, okay, $1,000, 40 years, $40,000. The same is true for all of these skills. Getting just a little better. Again, we're not talking about being the best in the world at negotiating. Getting just a little bit better at networking, at communicating, at leading. What's going to happen is you're going to stand out more you're going to get that job over someone else, or you're going to be put on the special project or stand out and get that promotion. And so getting just a little bit better at each or any of these skills is going to put you on that path where you get these incredible returns. So it's less important to say, which one do I need to do? than just recognizing with any of these, if I just get a little bit better, like compound interest, it is going to pay off throughout your career.
1: Yeah, that's good. Remember, Jenna, we did that video about if you just got one percent better every time, like over time, that's like a huge mm-hmm. difference, right? It's like an amazing number. I can't remember what it was. Like thirty-seven percent or something. I don't, I don't remember what it was. Um, but yeah, that's true. If if you know, it, sometimes it's so overwhelming when we're ch- we're like, I- I'm no good at this. You know, I need to be s- I need to be so much better, but really that's too overwhelming if you just focus on just being a little bit better than you are now you know i think back to when we first you know when we were young and when my husband was first starting out in his it career and how little we knew about what the power you actually have you know like people would offer you a job and you'd be like okay <laughs> <laughs> yep. like and the, the longer you're you know out there in the world the and the more confident you become start getting a little bolder yeah actually i want i want this much not this much. right and they will give it to you most a lot of times and you know as long as you're not being unreasonable and you come in with a a reasonable like hey this is what this pays in other in other um companies right and then as long as you come in knowing your numbers and knowing your worth then you know you can you usually can get more than, than they, that. Normally, that's like a starting number.
0: <laughs> you hit on two important points when negotiating. The first is to do your research. And it's funny, when we think about sports, we don't say, oh, hey, you've got a football game today. I guess show up and remember to play football. Instead, we say, you know what, you've got a football game. So you and the rest of the team are going to go train and practice and you spend a lot more time off the field than you do on. But when we negotiate, so many people say, oh, hey, I'm walking into the room. I guess I'm doing a negotiation. They don't do that prep yeah. work. The second thing you know that's important is you've done with your research, you've gotten the reasons why. Because if I offer you $50,000 and you tell me you want more, so yeah, that's great, and I want to pay you less so what i don't care what you want and you don't care what i want but when you say here is why i'm not just being unreasonable not just saying i'm greedy but here's a justification because other people happen to pay this or because i have these unique qualifications that put me above your other candidates whatever reason now you're justifying it and you're not just saying well i want give me give me give me and those two things will make your negotiation so much more effective
1: Yeah, I think this is um, an American thing, too, that we're so afraid of negotiating because in so many other cultures, they do that, you know, all the time. It's like a game, like you go to Asian culture and you go to the market and and you want to get it for less. and And they and they and it's fun for them to negotiate with people. And we're like terrified that we're insulting people if we try to
0: negotiate. It does vary a bit by culture, how much you can negotiate how you negotiate whether it's in a very kind of quiet way versus a boisterous pounding on the table way you will get a range of those things one of the key things to remember when negotiating is that it's okay not to reach a conclusion and i think to what you're saying it's that fear of failure it's the well what if i ask and they say no and you know what that is totally acceptable I had a candidate once, this isn't negotiation, but it's the same idea. I had a candidate once who got very offended that I asked him a brain teaser question. He was struggling with it. Some people do. And some people, they struggle with it. Okay, and we move on. But he just got so furious. He stormed out of the interview. Now, you can look and say, well, that interview was a failure. But, in fact, that interview was a success. If this guy got so frustrated he just threw a fit and stormed out, that's probably not someone I want on my team. And in that sense, the interview helped me figure that out. So remember when we negotiate, it doesn't have to be a success. Now I'll note one other thing, especially since you have a daughter. I believe, now I've not done research on this, but my kind of field experience says, unfortunately, the way our heteronormative culture works, we are giving men a slight advantage. And I say this because generally speaking, we have boys ask out girls. And I can tell you, I remember the first time I was asking out a girl, first many times, how nervous I was to pick up the phone, to put myself out there, to get rejected. And boy, it sucked. But having been rejected (laughs) many, 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 many times, now I can ask a girl out. Maybe she'll reject me, maybe not, but I'm okay with it. I've kind of built up the tolerance to handle it and I think unfortunately because people have this fear of rejection negotiating many people say oh but what if I ask and you say no and men because of how we tend to date in this culture tend to be more experienced getting that no and learning to get through it so an important skill when negotiating is learning to get rejected doesn't have to be dating but learning to get rejected and saying that's okay
1: yeah I, I actually practice this a lot like I go when I go out somewhere like I'll see if they'll give me something extra like you go to a hotel stay in a hotel hey you know can I get a can I get a better room or um, the other day I was calling and negotiating a hospital bill and I had the money to pay it um, <laughs> but I was like hey what will you give me if I pay this right now and she gave me 30% off the bill so that was you know a big chunk of change because it was Almost a almost a $2,000 bill.
0: Most things in life are negotiable.
1: Yeah. It's like, if you don't open your mouth and ask, the answer is going to be no. So just risk it and maybe you'll get a yes. <laughs> That's my philosophy. A great one. Um, very well and done. I've come a long way because I was very, very, very shy for many many years and I would never talk I would never have done that you know but just it's it, yeah just think of it like a game that's what that's what, yeah I mean you could be helping yourself but if you were to just stay quiet then it changes nothing and most people are I would say 99% of people are not going to get upset at you for asking for a deal or for asking can you do a bet can you do it better right exactly. as mm-hmm. long as
0: you're asking respectfully and not demanding not being obnoxious. yeah so there's no downside yeah
1: yeah, that's good. And I loved your, um, in all honesty, I I read most of your book. I didn't read the entire thing because I, I have so many books I have to read for people that are guesting on the podcast. But I read almost all of it, and I really, really loved it. And one thing I really liked you said was um, don't assume malice. I think a lot of times people think that everyone is out to get them. And most people are not, they, people just don't realize your perspective. A lot of times, uh, when you're going through something like that.
0: Absolutely. Now, by the way, first I'll note the book, you don't have to read it cover to cover. You don't even have to read it in order. There's 10 chapters, 10 skills, and like a toolkit it's designed that you can start. Let's say jump right into chapter nine negotiating. If that's a skill you want to focus on, skip the first eight and go there. And then go back to some of the others later when you want it. Now, that particular statement you referenced, never ascribe to malice, that which can be explained by mere stupidity, that is one of the most important business lessons that I have learned and that I have taught other people over the years. Because so often our coworker or our friends or family do something that really annoys us, that seems like, oh, my God, are you an idiot or are you trying to be annoying? And the reality is they're not (laughs) most of us are well-intentioned. And so by taking that moment to say, hey, you just did something really bad for me. Let me understand why, because they probably didn't realize the consequence or didn't intend it, and that avoids a lot of fights, a lot of misgivings and a lot of wasted energy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, We also call call it the benefit of the doubt, give them the benefit of the doubt. you see so many people j- jump on social media all up in arms <laughs> Ooh, about something. But they never really approach the person to say, hey, this this is the way I took this. Is this what you meant? They just um, jump to their conclusions. And... Something
0: to remember. Or we're not going to go down in, in politics, but the reality is the people on the other side aren't evil, satanic people trying to destroy the country. <laughs> they really believe they are doing the right thing and that's true on both sides in fact most people will generally say we care about the same things like freedom and life and access to live your life how you want or have your job and make money but it's where we draw the lines where we slightly disagree but we're all well intended in wanting the same things and wanting other people to have freedom and access and rights we just generally draw the lines differently about what that means. But the intentions are generally in agreement.
1: Yeah, it seems like, and this kind of goes along with the whole talk about comm- communication and importance of communication, but it, it, does, it does seem like that as a society, we have lost the ability to communicate our sides very well. We just kind of, yeah. One
0: of the worst things that's happened is the trend towards shorter media. And it went to, back when I was growing up, the 30-second soundbite that everyone lamented. And that became the seven-second soundbite. And now, of course, just whatever it is on social media. And when you look at discussions, when you look at debates, even up to political debates, so many people are looking for who gets that mic drop. Who gets that? Oh, that was a good comment. Drop the mic. Yeah, you got him. Well, the reality is you don't govern by dropping the mic. You govern by a lot of really boring, detailed policy decisions that most people don't know about. And we need to find people who can make those decisions and run the country day to day. That's not sexy. That's not cool. That's not going to blow up Twitter. And so we need our... Debates whether it's for our governance or just between us as friends, as co-workers, to focus on substantive substantive issues and not just what's the soundbite or mic drop.
1: Right. What's exciting?
0: Exactly. Because when we're running a business, same thing. Like those exciting moments, sure, we'll post on Twitter, hey, look at us IPOing on the New York Stock Exchange. Well, we got there because we did seven years of laborious, boring, hard work, sometimes staying up at three in the morning, doing paperwork, because that's what business is about. That's what work is about. It's not as sexy as social media makes it seem.
1: Yeah, sounds like parenting. (laughs) It's like, there's lots of hard, boring, tiring moments, but we only see like the page, the posts on Instagram, uh, Instagram or Facebook or, you know, the, the picture perfect family on the beach and they're all smiling and running towards each other. <laughs> but, you know, the well, truth th- is they were probably all screaming at each other five minutes ago. <laughs>
0: exactly. And the same thing yeah. in your careers. when you see your friends bragging about how well they're doing and you're thinking, I'm not doing that well. Well, it's the same thing. People are, they're showing those moments of, that highlight reel. And there's a lot more you're not seeing, so don't be deterred by it.
1: Right. Yeah. If you can be consistent and just consistently improve and get better and focused, then you can make a lot. You'll look back later and be like, wow, look at all I did. Right. Kind of like you with all this impressive uh, degrees (laughs) list of uh, especially the cufflink collection. That's the one that's.
0: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you know, for all the stuff I do, the cufflinks, that's the easy part because I can just buy them. But as I'm (laughs) building companies, as I'm promoting my app, promoting my book, doing the speaking, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of the emails we had to do back and forth to coordinate. There's a whole bunch of small things, and they're not always so visible. They're not always so sexy, although using the skills that we talk about in the book If you make all those small things just a little easier, just a little faster, just a little better, increasing the odds of success with each one just a little bit, again, you get that great compounding effect and you get a lot more success.
1: Yeah. What would you say has been the most surprising feedback you've gotten from the book?
0: The most surprising, I get two main pieces of feedback. One that I expected, one I did not. So the one I expected was, I wish I had this book 20 years ago. I knew we'd get that. And in fact, if you read the Amazon reviews, consistently you see people say that. The one that I did not expect is that I'll have people say, I was reading your book, I'm reading a page, I have a question. And as soon as I turn the page, you've answered it. How did you do that? And the secret is, I've been teaching this for two decades, over two decades now. And so this is not just good advice, but we've kind of field tested how to give the advice. And so I know from having done this for years, when I say this, when I give this example, here's the question that's going to come next, nine times out of 10, and of course put that into the book. So it's proven kind of the flow is designed based on years and years of teaching this content.
1: Yeah, it does flow really well. Thank you. Now that you mention it, um, it's like it's a, it's it's an easy read, but it's got a lot of good info. So this app that you have that goes along with your book, can you tell us about it?
0: I've actually created two apps. Now they do very similar things. One of the things that I never liked is when I read a business book or even a self help book in general. You read the book, you say, wow, there's such great advice in here. And then you forget it all two weeks later because we get busy. And well, that's not good. <laughs> that's not why you're reading. And my job isn't just to get you to buy pieces of paper. I really want to help you. But that's not going to work if you don't remember it. So I thought a lot about how education works. And I use my experience in education in technology and media to come up with an app. And really, I thought someone must have built this. I was shocked that it didn't exist. And so I created first the Career Toolkit app. It's a free companion app to the book. And when you download the app, it has two modes of use. The first is you might say there are all these great networking tips and I'm about to walk into a networking event. But I read those tips three months ago. Darn it, I need those tips now. So you pull out the app, you open it up, you go to the networking tips and you flip through them right before you walk in the room to get them top of mind as you need them. The other way you would use the book is you'd say, you know, there's a lot going on here about leadership or about communication. And I'm not always going to know, oh, right now I have to lead or communicate. This is more general stuff I need to just learn and have ready, but I don't have time to really study it or go through it or reread the book. So you can set the app, you don't even need to open it. It will do a push notification once a day at a time you set, so it stays top of mind. So, for example, people have a job might set at 9 a.m. as they're going into the office, they get that little tip, look at, read it for two seconds, and then just swipe it away. Go, okay, great. And each day will pop one up, and so that helps keep it top of mind. You keep seeing it over and over. That's a technique called space repetition that's used in education. That's going to help you retain it. So that's the Career Toolkit app. We took this idea and then said, well, if it works for my book, it can work for other things. So we created the Brain Bump app. And the Brain Bump app has books, podcasts, blogs, classes, talks, lots of different content. Like Netflix, we just keep adding new content. So every month we're adding more and more content it will just keep growing as a set. And you can pick either the content you want, particular, books or podcasts where you want to retain what they're teaching you or when you've got them on there you can even dive into a topic and say well I want those networking tips and yeah Mark's book is great but if I can also get from this blog and that podcast yeah I want all those networking tips and so you'll get from different sources as well so we have the Career Toolkit app and the Brain Bump app both of which are designed to help you bear retain what you learn
1: that's interesting. the the It reminds me of you remember when they came out with the little calendars that you put on your desk and it had like a little motivational thing, <laughs> and you'd flip it, you'd flip it every day. Um, daily like, motivation. Yeah. Daily motivation. In fact, the too. app
0: itself it's it's a cross between a daily affirmation, a flashcard app, and a book summary app. We take some of the ideas of each and put it together, and that's what created Brain Bump
1: that's cool is there anything else you want to add
0: the other thing i would add is thinking about how we learn these skills because it's very different than how we learn in school in school the teacher says here's a periodic table start to memorize what the elements are learn what a proton versus a neutron is they might say here's a revolutionary war memorize these people these dates And then you're given a test and you know exactly what to write. Very simple. That's not how these skills work. There is no formula for leadership. There's no three things to know about networking. It's also not so black and white. In my job, no one says to me, okay, Mark, 317 p.m. next Tuesday, you're going to lead. Not clear cut. It just kind of happens. So the way we want to learn these skills, it's not the memorization techniques of old, of what we typically do in school. It's more akin to how we learn sports. If you're going to learn a sport, certainly I can't just say, here, read the book of rules. Great, now you know everything you need to know. We might start with that, but then what do you do? You run drills, you scrimmage. Before the game, you strategize. Here's what we're gonna try to do. This is what the other team might try to do. You might even, if you're a serious competitor, watch a tape of yourself or of your opponents and learn and reflect. And these are the things we want to do when learning these skills. So really the best way to learn them, because unfortunately we can't exactly scrimmage and practice. I can't go into my office and say, hey everyone, I'm going to practice leading a new way. And if I <laughs> screw it up, go, yep, time out, do over, forget it. No, it's, it's real. So we can do a different technique using peer learning groups. Now, this is something for companies I say, and I have a free download for how to do this. Say create groups around six to eight people within the organization. But for those of you still in school or not at a company, you can just find other people. You can find friends, you can find people online. For those of you who are parents or high school students, go find other students or parents, go get other parents with kids, create these small groups. And then what you wanna do is take some content. So let's say for a moment, you're using my book. You read a couple pages. Here's a section, probably not even a whole chapter. You're gonna read these five to 10 pages, and then you come together and discuss them. Because when we look at leadership, the same text that you read and I read and someone else reads, we're all going to interpret it in a slightly different way. And we're going to bring examples and experiences from our own backgrounds. And when discussing it, that's when we share, that's when we start to learn from each other's experiences. I'm gonna say, wow, that's a really good point you made. I never would have thought of it that way. And that helps me learn a little more. Now, don't worry that you're thinking, well, what does my kid know about leadership? And okay, maybe not as much as someone who's been a CEO of a 5,000 person company, but examples that CEO would use probably would not resonate with a 17 year old. And so a group of 17 year olds will pick examples that are relatable to them. And that's really important for this learning. So create these peer learning groups. And now I mentioned you can use my book and I break down how to do it. But if you don't wanna use my book, no problem. Use a different book use articles, use videos you find online, use a great podcast like this one. The key thing is to have that discussion because it's going to reinforce what you've read and it's going to help make it more concrete as people bring in their own experiences and examples. So I very strongly recommend use this to really develop these particular skills.
1: Where can people find you?
0: You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There, you can see where to buy it, Amazon, other places. You can get in touch with me with questions. You can follow me on social media, read additional content. I put out new articles each week. You can download the free Career Toolkit app from the Android and iPhone stores. I link it from the website. And there's a resources page with a bunch of free downloads and links to other resources, as well as other books I recommend. So, all of that is at thecareertoolkitbook.com. And then my other site, Cognosco Media, C-O-G-N-O-S-C-O-Media.com. If you go to that site and you look up top and go to the Brain Bump, that will tell you more about the Brain Bump app I mentioned, and it will take you to the Android and iPhone pages, uh, Android and iPhone stores, where you can download the free app there. I mentioned that only because an iPhone, there's an issue right now. If you search for Brain Bump, it doesn't seem to come up. But Brain Bump and the Career Toolkit app are on both stores and completely free.
1: Awesome. Yeah, lots of good resources. And I highly recommend this book, especially if you are just starting your career or you're thinking about where you're going next. Even if you're not starting your career, even if you've been at it for a while, there's a lot of good info in there. I just want to thank you, Mark, for taking the time to chat with us tonight. Lots of good stuff.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Just a reminder, if you like our podcast, don't forget to leave us a review and tell your friends about us. Have a great week.